and welcome to the first episode of the Amateur Skeptics. Uh, this is going to be show zero. I'm your host, Brian. With me tonight is Ian Breezy Cannon. That's Brazy. Brazy. <laughs> That's and, fine. Uh, uh, Jennifer Fallon. Yep. Did I get that right? Yes. <laughs> you better. <laughs> <laughs> and also, Sean Smith Ford. How'd I do there? Uh, Ford. Ford? <laughs> <laughs> You're not a Smith Ford? No, Smith no I just want to make sure he he, he, he rolled the R. Oh. <laughs> Ford. There you go. Ford. All right. And uh, so this is this is our first show. And the first thing I want to do is just, I mean, talk a little bit about what, what we in, intend to do. And so I'm going to have Jen read our, our um, kind of our mission statement so that people kind of know um, what our goal is here. So, Jen, if you want to go ahead and read that. Okay. We here at Amateur Skeptics are not scientists. We are normal people who are trying to look at the world with an evidence-based approach. We strive to have open minds and to change our opinions with new evidence. We know that the smartest person can fall for pseudoscience or bad data if they don't have the skills to sift through it. We are not all scientists and should not have to be, but it is important to have the skills to ask the right questions and filter out misleading information. The problem is that we are not, in most cases, instructed in how to think critically. We are taught that seeing is believing, and this isn't true. Although we are not scientists, we do believe that everyone can and should have the skills to analyze information. We should be able to ask good questions and decide if what we are looking at are good conclusions based on good data. We think that all people should move beyond belief systems and move toward accepting good data as facts. We should be able to change what we accept based on what changing discoveries in science support as true. It is important for us as skeptics to be more concerned with the procedure of getting data and less on the outcome, as it is the process that makes good data. This podcast is about our journey down the winding road of skepticism. Join us as we learn skills to live in a science-based world. How does everybody feel about that? I feel pretty good about that. Okay, good. <coughs> so, so um, <clears throat> I want to, you know, we can go down and, and just and we can say a little something. Um, and then after we do that, we're going to read some science stories, and then we're going to go on to, we're going to shame the psychic, and we're going to go through some Sylvia Brown's predictions, and then that, that'll, be, that'll be fun. So, um, Ian, why don't you go ahead and start there, if you have anything. Just the basic about me? Yeah. Kind of deal? Okay, well, I'm Ian Brazy Cannon. Um, I am a semi-professional writer. Uh, I prefer to write fiction, but I've written other stuff, articles and whatnot, just to do it. Um, I have a degree in film video technology. I am an atheist. I have... My beliefs actually came about from high school when a friend of mine found God and was born again and started trying to convert me and my friend. And the thing is, the more he tried to convert, the more I saw flaws in the logic he was using to try and convince us of his beliefs. And more and more after that, I would look at these ideas people would present through their religious ideas, and more and more I would see just how flimsy they were. So that's how I got to be where I am. All right. Jen? Yep. I'm Jennifer Fallon, and I am currently a preschool teacher. 
I work with a mixed group of kids aged two and a half to four and a half. I also have three children of my own. So I'm very much interested in what science can teach us about how people learn and how people develop and the best ways to interact with children. Obviously, that's my focus. I have a mixed background religiously. I went to Catholic school for several years, um, not because my family was Catholic, but because my mom thought it was a good school. And so kind of conflicting messages going to a Catholic school and then having my family who were alien-believing, conspiracy theorist sorts of people. I've gone to church regularly, not gone to church regularly. It's kind of gone back and forth. I would say I'm a weak atheist in that I'd like there to be something out there, but I just don't see it coming true. So agnostic. You, that's fair to say agnostic. Yeah, I guess. Okay. It, it, it's one of those depends on the day sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and I'm involved with this podcast because my husband is the founding <laughs> director. <laughs> Sean? Okay. Well, my name is Sean Smith Ford. I am in information technology and PC support. I also have done some professional art in the past, 3D art on the computer. My belief system, I believe that there is some sort of a supreme guiding force, but I don't necessarily know if it's, if it's, uh, I don't know what it is. I just know that it's out there. And I don't think it, it that anybody, anybody's belief system has actually managed to quantify it. As far as my past goes, I sharpened my mind the old-fashioned way by scraping it repeatedly against sharp, rough, angled rocks and then eventually stropping it back and forth on a piece of leather. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, well, you're really expecting anything else from Yeah, him? well, you know. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Well, <laughs> we need to give everyone a taste of Mac's sense of humor. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That Sean. is true. Sean. Well, we can call him Mac, and we can get into the story of why I call him Mac later. Okay. I've never heard that story. <laughs> oh, really? Well, it's, it, it's, it's pretty straightforward, but uh, we'll go... <laughs> Well, I mean, we can talk about we even maybe even during the Sylvia Brown segment. Ah, oh, that that would be a good one. Yeah. 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 So, and I'm Brian Heineser, and uh, yes, I'm the uh, the founder, as uh, my wife put it so bluntly. I am. Uh, I'm in infor- um, information systems. I do computer repair, and networking, and um, you know, administration for Unix and Windows servers. And I am. Uh, I'm, I'm most certainly um, and I'm an ag- agnostic. I, I see that uh, I have seen no evidence for a supreme being, um, so I really um, I have no belief in one as I, I haven't seen the evidence. So putting me pretty squarely in the agnostic camp, um, my my family, um, particularly my mother, is uh, you know definitely into uh, a lot of pseudosciences and uh, into uh, Sai Baba and some of the other and always looking for a guru. I grew up with a lot of different pseudosciences and always being bombarded with them, I, w- I would say, it's fair to say, and uh, a lot of uh, beliefs without evidence. And uh, out of that, I uh, I have become a skeptic. I think that's all of us, right? Everybody else well, said their piece? <laughs> What's that? Don't forget George. Don't forget George. 
Well, you know, I do hope that uh, you know that we that other people will become involved as, as we go here. But uh, this is our our, our core our, foundation here. There you go. Yeah. The core. The core group. So, does anybody else want to add anything to that? Nope. That's pretty well, much us. I, I'd say we've got a pretty interesting mix because certainly we we have Sean who believes that there's you know a some sort of creator, but I would say that it hasn't found it doesn't have the evidence for it, but just that that's his belief. Is that was that fair to say? That's fair to say. Okay. And then we have, you know, Jen who really wants there to be one but once again still looking for the evidence. And then there's Ian and myself who say who say that there there's no evidence for a creator and that's you know Right. That's how we see it. Alright, so let's move on. Um I found I, I found a news story that I found most interesting. Has anybody had, had an option opportunity to take a look at this? Evolution caught in the act. Science um, measures how quickly the genome changes. I'm actually scanning through it right okay. now. It's it's pretty interesting um, in that they they uh, did the genome for um, and, and this couldn't be done until just recently. They um, they took a um, a particular plant. Who I cannot um, pronounce the name of. Brian, okay. I'll give her a shot. Okay, it's Arabidopsis thaliana. Okay, and and so they they took this this uh, Arabidopsis 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 thaliasis, and they they had five different lines of this plant, and they were able to sequence the genome for all five lines. And then they were able to do this as the as the project went on. And what they found is that in these lines, they they found uh, uh, many many uh, mutations in in the genome as it went along, and and so they were and it changed much quicker than they than they had expected to in a much shorter amount of time. And so they were able to conclude from this um, that uh, that the plant had had split off from its from its other derivative um, 20 million years ago as opposed to 60 million that it was much quicker than they than they had originally um, thought that this happened and so what 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 they went on to say that was really interesting is that basically in all the people that that we have right now living that there is every single possible mutation that is is constantly being tested, and and which of course whichever one of those survive are the ones that get passed on. Right. So so the so what this uh, what this says is that we we evolved actually much quicker than we would have originally thought, potentially. And of course, this was only done with a particular plant. It hasn't been done in. Um, um, they didn't do this with humans, right? Which, right off the bat, one of the things that you know your creationists will attack. Exactly, they're going to attack that. But okay, so they're extrapolating from this that that you know humans all have we're, we're all testing mutations all the time, and that in our in our children are what they said sixty mutations, sixty new mutations that our parents did not have. So every time, so our, so each one of our kids is going to have sixty mutations, and they're not all necessarily going to have the same mutations in their genome. And yeah, the creationists are of course going to attack it because this is a plant and not people. But I mean, 
Well, people eat plants. <laughs> and you are what you eat. There we go. So we're all a bunch of plants. So, yeah. So uh, uh, they're, they're, of course, they're going to attack this and not accept it. But I thought that, I thought it was interesting. But it is, of course, only one study. The, the findings are, are, are pretty compelling. Um, so it's, so if other people can reproduce this, it'll, it'll, be, it'll be quite interesting. Um, and I think that they said they published in the uh, Journal of Science. My first thought on this is that uh, we've had a theory for a long time that there's a missing link, that, uh, that there's some ancestor of man that we haven't found between the Australopithecines and the modern man. Well, I don't think that's so much a scientific theory as it is a thing the creationists have invented in order to try and disprove the scientific. Listen, every time you fill a gap, you're not filling a gap, you're creating two new ones. Does that include when we're speaking? <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, they just recently found, you know, a, a, another, what, gap? Uh, the missing link, though, actually, in his, uh, that's actually something that anthropologists were talking about there's, a few years ago, and... Uh, when I was in college, they were basically talking about the fact that maybe there was no missing link. So that's not so much a creationist thing as that is a a piece of science that may be going by the wayside. Right, but it's but, still something that the creationists are picking yeah, up on do. to try and, you know, oh, you know, there's gaps here. How can there be gaps? Yeah. Well, when we this, just recently found this, a fossil. This article here, though, is indicating that the change could have happened within one generation. Right. I don't know that it's quite that well, good, but sure. Not that drastic of yeah, a change. Yeah, not that drastic a change. I don't think it's saying that, but it's saying that we could have evolved much quicker. But the the problem is the creationists always like to like to do this. I mean, and, and science has we we've gone back and we've gotten to the point now where we we predict what you know we should find this fossil at this time, and you know, and these are some of the characteristics we should find in it. And we just found one. What is it? Australopithecine or something? Um, who would you know the the flat-footed ape you know who who you know had the longer fingers and everything that, that literally showed, man of the south <laughs> as as we came out of the trees you know this this is this is us as we came out of the trees I mean they they keep finding these fossils and every time you fill one gap you create two new ones oh, yeah. and and they're and they will never be satisfied um, huh. because if they did that the, you know it their the world crumbles. Yeah, well, I, I doubt we'll ever find every possible species that's ever lived. You know, not everything leaves a uh, um, fossil. Well, so, yeah, there's yeah. going to be gaps, and there's nothing you can do about it. Well, and if this is right, it could have happened so quickly, you know, one, a particular stage. And we saw that, you know, just recently with the, with the research they did with um, the bacteria that, you know, that it evolved and it, you know, made a lateral jump and then... Trying to satisfy them with with this stuff is is ridiculous. I mean that that well, is the reason to do it. Yeah. Well, they don't care about the actual findings or anything. They just you know have to be right. So it doesn't matter how much evidence you can present. You know, they they have to be right because it it's the only way to keep their worldview intact. I mean, and they could say the same about us if if you know. But the the difference is is that if somebody shows me evidence for God that that is that compelling and can be you know backed up. I mean, I'm going to have to accept it. Yeah. Well, I generally believe most of the scientific community is ready to accept actual evidence. But the problem is we haven't seen it, and so we're not willing to believe it. Right. But, yeah. Well, they they feel that they've presented it. But that, that I mean, we'll cover that in our next yeah. podcast. when we, We're going to talk about logical fallacies in our next podcast. So let, let's save that and let's move on here. 
um, to to Max's story about eating too much red meat. Yeah, too much red meat may shorten lifespan. Is the story title? Um, basically, the uh, they the premise is that diets high in red meat and in processed meat shorten the lifespan not just from cancer and heart disease but from Alzheimer's, stomach ulcers, and an array of other conditions as well. The interesting thing about this particular story and the findings that they're coming up with is there's really, there's no control in their scientific study. They basically looked at sampling of a half a million people aged 50 to 71 and what they were eating over the span of a decade. There's no control. There's no, there's no allowing for other lifestyle factors they're basically just saying, okay, well, the people who ate more meat died sooner. The other right. thing that uh, I, I jump in on here is in this particular article, they're talking about red meat, and researchers reported that a quarter-pound hamburger or a small pork chop eaten daily puts you at increased risk of a variety of cancers. But a pork chop is not red meat. That's white, that's white meat, <laughs> traditionally white meat. Well, I'd So they're talking about red meat and they're using white meat as an example well, or, well but, they're saying either or yeah look at the article though they even say it's a modest increase so they're, they're saying it's such a small you know they're not saying it's like a huge thing they're saying you know they're almost admitting it's a very small number so it's like mm-hmm. what's the relevance you know they don't cite any um, clinical research or anything in this no. and, and, and I don't know I don't you know I don't know anything about drug.com <laughs> Which is where this is this news article is located. I'm not sure how you know. I guess I mean they they, they might have some stuff that's credible credible, but this one looks like it's just I don't know. They, they say they're doing some research, but you're right. There's no control. Well, we don't know that there's no controls. They're not really talking about the research and, and making the research credible. All they're talking about is their findings that they came up with, and we don't. So we don't know um, how how good their study was. I mean, their study could be quite legitimate, but it, it isn't here for us to verify. True enough. Anybody else find anything interesting in uh, in the news? Well, we can go off of Mr. Harold Camping. Harold Camping. Do you have a link for us? Yeah. Uh, I sent it to you. I can... Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, you did? Oh, this is, so this is your um, end-of-the-world prediction? Yes. Bible scholar. Oh, this is fantastic. Yes, Mr. Harold Camping has predicted through his mathematics that he has pulled from the Bible that the world will end on May 21st. What I find most interesting here to, um, is this Mr. Camping seems to be big on getting his attention. Apparently, um, his last predictions for the end of the world were September 6, 1994. And obviously, you know, we all know how that turned out since the world ended on that day. <laughs> but apparently, his math was an error event. <laughs> so, um, now he's gone and given another prediction, and he has a whole bunch of followers who were following him 15 years ago who once more are believing that, hey, he's got it right this time. <laughs> and they're actually wearing t-shirts promoting it, and they're saying that this, um, on the article, uh, Ted Solomon says, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I see that. So I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's amazing. And if you look through the article, he actually gives the mathematics of where he got this all from. And 
so much of it doesn't even make sense. He first off, Christ hung on the cross on April third, on April first, thirty-three A.D. Okay, I don't know what that has to do with why suddenly you now go to April first of two thousand eleven, and he, he gives no connection to that. He just jumps to you know. He's going with April first of okay. two thousand eleven, so, so that he can uh, say it was a joke. So what's the uh, meat though? What what's going to destroy the world? He doesn't say. It's the, the rapture is going to come, whatever. But then, okay, now. Oh. Do you have your rapture insurance? <laughs> now, the reason why he jumps to May is somewhere you have to add 51 to it because I'm not sure why. It's another thing. He, he says you, know, you add the 51 in there somewhere. Add 51 to the, to the sum of the previous multiplication total. And but it, it doesn't will equal... tell you why. It, none of this, you know... I'll, all of these mathematics he came up with, there is no explanation on what they mean. Well, it's all because it's... Camping realized that 5 times 10 times 17 and all that times 5 times 10 times right. 17 equals 720. So he had to figure out a way to justify is what it looks like. It's like... <laughs> well, Ian, <laughs> clearly the math that he's doing is on the other side of the headpiece of the Staff of Ra, the oh. side that we don't have imprinted on your hand. Ah, uh, that's where he got it. <laughs> it's probably, is, this, is it coming from the Bible somewhere? That's I mean, what he's claiming, yeah. because 5, 10, and 17 are biblical numbers. <laughs> yeah, well, so is 2, 4, and 6. But, uh, let's see, 5 equals atonement, 10 is completeness, and 17 means heaven. Okay. Okay, then. <laughs> All right. And, and that's the okay. only thing that actually he says is biblical. All, right. all the rest seems like he's just pulling out a thin air, you know, throwing it out there. Well, yep. I I took a look for September sixth, nineteen ninety four, in history, to see what actually did happen on that date. All and right. Apparently, it was the eleventh annual MTV Music Awards. Ah, <laughs> that well, you know what? That settles it. That was the end of the world. We just missed it. What is the seventeen? Seventeen means heaven, according to this. Five times 10 times 17 is telling you a story. It's not a very good story. No. <laughs> oh my God. It is a story from the time Christ made payment for his sins until you're completely saved. What? I didn't get it myself. It's you know, one of those things that's like, okay, uh, you know, he's 88 years old. I think his sense of reality is not quite there. <laughs> so, so if I may make an ad hominem attack, he's old anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> he can predict the end of the world because he's old. Yep. It just right because... off. Oh, I made a miscalculation. <laughs> and basically, you figure on May twenty second, two thousand eleven, he'll proclaim you know, in his mathematics and go back to spend another decade fixing it. Well, and, he refers to another gentleman, um, James Kruger, author of Seekers of the Apocalypse Revealed, uh, has been studying the end of times for 40 years. He's been spending the end of, studying the end of times for 40 years and is familiar with Camping's work. And Kruger agrees that the rapture is indeed coming. He disputes Camping's methods. Oh, so so they both agree that it's coming, but he's not quite sure that camping's got the right formula. Right. Well, actually, according to Kruger, he goes with a um, basic reference in the Bible um, that says that Jesus claimed that no one will know. There's no way to know. 
It's one yeah, thing. that's I, I've heard for years. Like, th- there's a sense to it. You know, all, all these guys can predict all they want, but you can always fall back to, oh, well, you know, we're not supposed to know. But th- that's a fairly standard fallback. Yeah, that's a yeah. Well, it's 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 an entertaining read. Oh yeah. I mean, it's it's good for a laugh. All right. Well, let's move on to shame the psychic, shall we? So these are Sylvia Brown's predictions, and and I we were we were going through this. We were having a good old time. And it started out with some ones, uh, and I put the websites where I found them. So this one, these are from Spirit Now. And Sylvia Brown is talking about how 2009, 2010s are, are when we're going to start working on our butts. The problems that we're aware of um, that make the global community smaller. Uh, we, not, not us all getting into shape and working no, out. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't think that even she's dumb enough to predict that. <laughs> Americans are going to become slimmer this year. <laughs> Uh, see, but no, our system works. But so these are so, so these are some of her butts. Um, but children are not properly fed, clothed, educated, protected, or given adequate medical care. When have they ever? Uh, well, this, are they anywhere in the world? These are when th- we're going to start working on these things. Th- people are really going to dig in and, and fix these problems within in these years. And and I tell you what, I sure saw it last year. Um, I think we sent more people to Iraq. Yeah, we're helping those people to you know feed and clothe, right? Well, you you look at the, the whole thing about you know a lot of people nowadays are busy talking about how horrible everything is. But if you study history, we're a much more moral oh. society. We're much more worried about taking care of the poor and the needy than we were fifty, a hundred years ago. Yeah, there's there's nothing here. So many in our population. Do not have a place to call home. Yes, we. That's why we call them homeless. Oh, uh, I, I love. For, um, some death row inmates are innocent. <laughs> why? Well, these are, of course, the problems in our society. The prediction is that we're going to start working on. Them. Right. Exactly. And apparently, it's all going to come in 2010 because 2009 was not really a lot of folk. Lock of focus on these things. So yeah, no, well, you know, people I'm looking are at all this stuff. This is all stuff we've been working on. It's well, nothing yeah. new. It, it, you know, and she's not saying we're going to suddenly have a huge um, solution to it all, some miraculous solution. We're just going to work on it. It's like, yeah. uh wait a moment. <laughs> we've already <laughs> been working on it. So in 2009 and 2010, we're going to continue working on it? That's <laughs> what it sounds like. Okay. Wow. That's a what good a prediction. prediction. All right, all right. So, okay, so those ones aren't really fair for us to judge her on, I don't think. I think we need to move on to some harder predictions that, that she has made. So let, let's move on to she predicts a great rise in skin cancer in children in 2000, until 2010. Now, I believe this prediction was made in 2009. Uh, There's an article from July of 2005 that says there's a rise in skin cancer in children. In 2005? Yeah, the article was written in 2005. This was probably made in 2008 because it was her 2009 prediction. Well, either way, she's about three years behind this other site that was not actually making a prediction. Okay, okay, okay. They were citing scientific evidence. Let's forget about that one and let's move on. To the, to the, yeah, because that the one's next. not fair. Yeah, that one's not fair either. Let's see. There is lots <coughs> of media coverage of the UV rays and many products to protect people against them. Wow. Well, that's not a. That's part of the previous. Thing yeah. Okay. Too. So we're moving on from that. We're done All with right. that. I love the one. I love though. 
is the president between elected sometime between 2008 and 2020 will die in office from a heart attack. This one cuts to the bone on specifics. The president will die in office from a heart attack. The vice president, who will finish their term, will have an unpopular and mistaken intention to declare war on North Korea. North Korea will have weapons of mass destruction. Well, they do have weapons of mass destruction. In the middle of efforts to declare war, I predict the vice president will be assassinated. There will be a worldwide investigation into the vice president's death with both pleasant and unpleasant surprises. A lot of attention will be paid to one of the investigative congressional committees, and serious accusations will be made regarding missing funds. Finally, it will be revealed that all their accusations are part of a conspiracy to damage the American people's faith in their government with the media manipulated to fan the flames. And the committee will be vindicated in the end. This gives everything but somebody's initials. Wait a moment. You, you, you mean our faith in the government can be damaged? <laughs> okay. Well, that part's not really fair. Okay. But here's here's the deal. So we have she has till 2020 for this to become reality. But I'm going to make a prediction about this prediction. And I'm going to make a prediction that things are going to cool off with North Korea because you know they already are. And that and that we're going to become happy happy with North Korea and Sylvia Brown will change this prediction to be somebody other than North Korea in the future so that she can still keep her prediction but we're going to declare war on some other country. She will change it. That's my prediction. So you heard it oh, here. Just reading that, my, my prediction is that will change quite a few times between <laughs> now and 2020. And yeah. basically, by then, it will read almost word for word completely different. But she will claim it's related to the same prophecy, and all those that wish to believe her will say, oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, so we'll, we'll put that on the calendar. <laughs> my, mind, my mind goes back to the predictions of Nostradamus, oh. which if you, if you look at Nostradamus' predictions... You can pretty much read anything you want into them if you want to believe the prophecy right. is true. James Randi has covered that several times. Every time they update, you know, the, what what their interpretations. James Randi has has come out. He wrote a book about that. Actually, well, and I think that my favorite interpretation of Nostradamus's prophecies that is that they were real, they were true, and they were all within like twenty years of his death. <laughs> okay. So. Right. I, I saw some fairly compelling evidence on that one. I'll pull that up for a different a different broadcast. All right. So I want to move on to they're going to find the answer to the common cold. You yep. just like the heated cubicle, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was supposed to um, be last year when they had that, wasn't it? Well, no. She says 2009 or 2010, so it could still happen. No, but actually, it says in 2009. Yeah, the cubicles were supposed to. Oh, the cubicles! Then it says oh, it become available 2009 or 2010. Yeah, okay, yeah, I was okay. So I, but no, I was looking at this one up here. I predict we can truly say goodbye to the common cold in 2009 <laughs> or 2010. The solution to the common cold involves heat. Wow! And here's how she comes up with this, and but she did it psychically, of course, keeping in mind that the body's first response when we develop a cold is to come down with a fever. Okay, aside from the fact that, that that's crap and the fever is just, you know, you know, it's just a uh, repercussion of what the body is doing to fight off the cold, you come down with a fever. Let's see, many doctors today no longer rush to push patients to take temperature-reducing medications when they come down with a fever. Well, that is true. 
That Unless is. the fever is dangerous. You know, I tell you what, this this is a good prediction. I, I have good feelings about this one. Well, that wasn't a prediction. That was straight out saying that's what's going on. Oh, she predicts that the that we can say goodbye to the common cold this year. Well, yeah, that's a prediction, but um, the doctors are yeah, using medication. Yeah, that's what she's using to yeah. bolster her prediction. I predict that the special vapor in the cubicle <laughs> will be vaporized chicken soup. I think it's going to be ammonia. That will kill the common cold. Yeah. Yes, it will. And you know, here's the other thing. I, I, I have another thing here that, that, that this could be. When somebody gets the common cold, put them in the oven and you crank it up. That'll take care of the common cold. It doesn't say what the precise temperature in the cubicle will be. There you go. That could be a good solution. There you go. <laughs> uh, hey, your, your kid vapors. gets sick. They fit perfectly in the um, oven. So you just pull out the racks. And you found it. this out how? <laughs> Well, it wasn't on. <laughs> you know, we could avoid this whole doctor's cubicle thing by just simply having people place their heads in a ga- in a gla- in a gas oven for a head cold. We here at Amateur Skeptics do not recommend putting any body part into an oven or microwave. I added microwave because I knew that that's that's what's coming next. The cubicle discovery will be used for healing those with breathing disorders. Oh man. So it's not just the common cold. Apparently, heat is the cure for everything. Everything. Well, in I like, predict that yeah. people will read this and head off to Arizona. Oh. We at AmateurSkeptics.com do not advocate moving to Arizona. <laughs> <clears throat> well, it is, you know, they have all those vortexes and stuff. Yep. Yep. That's good stuff. So now here's somebody else who compiled. This is ParanormalEncyclopedia.com. And so they they have a whole list of of her of her stuff, and some of them she got right. She got two out of this list right, and some can't be proven. Uh, Seattle will have a five point four earthquake in February. This is of two thousand four, but will not cause much damage. Fail. American troops will pull out of Iraq in June or July. Fail. Still on two thousand four, in July. Unemployment will hit an all-time high, improving the uh, improving the improving with improving with the advances of technology from Texas and Nevada. Wrong. So we can go on. I mean, but my favorite. I I love the ones that got correct. In August, September, hurricanes will hit the Florida Keys in Mexico. Oh God! Yeah, that one's not exactly a prediction. No, that's uh. Well, let's see what happened last year. Oh, she predicted that Bush wouldn't be reelected in 2004. Now, that's one we could have done if she got right. That yeah. would have been nice. No, I liked this one that she got right. Pope John Paul II will live beyond April. Will we'll not, not live. live. Yeah, will live. Correct. So she so she she had a hit there. But I like the, the next one is a black pope will replace John Paul II. Wrong. Instead, we got a former Nazi. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who has not been science's best friend. I like 2006. No. Michael Jackson will go to jail. Oh, and then she also predict that um, Martha Stewart would not go to jail. Oh, in 2004, she predicted that Korea would launch a nuclear weapon. Government doctors will oh, will allow doctor. Oh, gov- the government will allow doctors to prescribe medical marijuana in 2006. She was wrong. Well, she was off by about three years. Yeah, well, you know. She would call that a hit. 
I would call it wrong. I would call that wrong too. <laughs> and next year, aliens will, or this year, because we're in 2010, aren't we? Sometime this year, aliens will visit Earth. <laughs> yes. Can't be proved. It can't be proved wrong. It cannot be proved right unless we actually have evidence that they, unless we actually see them. But it can't be proved wrong because you can always say any number of different things. The aliens arrived, but nobody saw them. The aliens were too small to be seen. I think Jen had the thought that the aliens were, you know, single cell life forms. Yeah. Uh-huh. And did they come from the Pleiades? <laughs> so Actually, she's... I think I'm a little more afraid of aliens that are single cell life forms than I are, and than I am of the evolved kind. Just considering the movie Evolution. So she's all over the place. I mean, she's. I mean, she she should be she should be ashamed because I I think that she's one of the ones that she. I don't know. Maybe she doesn't know that she's full of it. But I mean, this is you know with psychics generally when they make these predictions, most people remember the hits but not the misses. And you right. can pretty much be guaranteed, you know, that, that that's the same thing that will happen. Now, she, I noticed on her website, you know, to get her um, newsletter, you ha- you have to buy a subscription to get it. If people are subscribing, then they're much more likely to uh, to want her predictions. And well, I just found a it. site called Stop Sylvia Brown. Yep, StopSylvia.com. I'm actually looking at her biography right now on the Wikipedia. Um, she knows what heaven is like, and apparently the temperature in heaven is a constant 78 degrees Fahrenheit. I'm going to guess that that's going to be the the right temperature in that cubicle. Oh, in the cu- that's the temperature in the cubicle. All right. I was looking to see if um, I was looking to see if she she's one of the ones who got her start as a psychic working with the police, and it doesn't appear to be that way. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. The, yeah, this, I, I was looking at the StopSylvia.com. Um, the uh, Sago Mine controversy. Do you remember that one, guys? Uh, basically, at the start of the broadcast, it was believed that 12 of 13 miners trapped by the Sago Mine disaster had been found alive. They asked Brown if she had any psychic premonitions regarding the men, if she had felt this was a very gloomy moment and they might all have died. She said, no, she knew they were going to be found. Then they revealed that all but only one of the men was actually believed to have survived. And then she contradicted herself, saying, I don't think there's really any, anybody alive. <laughs> and how crazy for them to report they were alive when they weren't. Where did you find this one? It's on her Wikipedia page. Oh, so somebody has to, okay. No, I, I remember that now. Yeah, she, I mean, that, and that's, see, that's one where she does harm. That's where these people do harm, is trying to make yes. those kinds of predictions. In 2002, on the Montel Williams show, Brown told Gwendolyn Crewson that her daughter, Holly, who had been missing for seven years, was living in Hollywood, California, working as an exotic dancer in a nightclub. In 2006, dental records were used to positively identify a body found in 1996 in San Diego as that of Holly Crewson. So, in other words, she predicted in 2002 that the woman was alive. She had actually been dead since 1996. Yeah, I mean, so I think isn't Sylvia Brown that she's she's like Montel Williams' psychic? It, he always has her on, doesn't he? She's a weekly guest there. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, the you know, ultimately these psychics do harm. You know, I mean, and certainly predictions like the one she made on Montel Williams, the one about the miners. I mean, these people are are negligent. Oh yeah. 
but it is fun to go through. I mean, the the predictions are fairly harmless. These these kinds of things are harmless. But then when you get into more specifics, like you know what you know John Edwards talking to you know to to dead people and and just I mean just they they do a lot. That guy in particular is it. South Park got it right about him. <laughs> <laughs> Biggest deuce in the universe. Absolutely. You said it, not me. Ah, <laughs> oh, here's uh, looking at her Wikipedia page. Apparently, um, in 2003, she agreed to um, let these um, parents um, talk with her, and she would tell them more if they booked a private meeting at $700 for 20 oh. minutes with her. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, she's a douche, too. <laughs> Not quite as big a douche as John Edwards, but she's up there. And, but she says, um, in 2003, she claimed that the 11-year-old Sean Hornbeck had been abducted by a tall man with black dreadlocks. Um, Hornbeck was alive, found alive four years later, having been abducted by a white man with short brown hair who drove a small Toyota pickup. Uh, she predicted blue sedan. Her response was, I'm terribly sorry that this happened, but I think my body of work stands by itself. I've broken case after case. <laughs> uh, she's broken none. Like most of these psychics, for any good evidence to show that they did squat to solve any of these cases. And usually they do more harm than good, is my opinion. Yeah. Well, KBPI, um, I think it's every Tuesday they have a psychic on. Oh, yeah. And I listen to her most of the time. What she's predicting is, you know, same thing, anyone, basic advice you'd give someone. But every so often I hear her say something like, you know, I don't know if that's what I would tell them because that's going to make them do something stupid more than likely. Sure, sure. You know, her, her, you know, her advice on relationships and other stuff like, no, maybe you should not give them such a definitive kind of thing. Maybe you should try and keep it as vague as possible. Yeah. Well, of course, now, Mac and I have a, a probably a, 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 a very unique um, view into a lot of these psychics. I oh, yes. Say. Yeah, you say. both worked at the psychic hotline. Right, we worked oh. at the psychic hotline. Now, I, yep. I, now in my defense, I, I just took credit cards. I, I just set up the reading so that, you know, Mac could tell the lies. <laughs> <laughs> I, never, I never told anything that I believed to be a lie. Sure. I always tried to give the best advice that I possibly could, but I spent the time that I work with people not trying to predict their future, but basically trying to help them work through their present. Sure. So but you, um, the stories I remember you guys having were about people who were addicted to this stuff. Oh, yeah. And they, wouldn't make a, yeah absolutely. they wouldn't make a single choice in their life unless they called someone up and had you know tarot cards. Right. Sick and dangerous, and they'd call up, you know, specifically. You know, some people they they had they had their particular, um, they had their particular woo. Um, some people wanted tarot cards. Some people were like, I absolutely do not tar want tarot cards. I only want a clairvoyant. And other people were like, I want an astrologer. And so, you know, they they had their particular woo that they were calling up for a lot of times. And so, you know, we we schedule, you know, different people to work and. Man, I'll tell you what. The, the thing, the thing that gets me, is that some, some, a lot of these. I think a lot of these people, the people that were calling, were just calling for somebody to talk to. And a lot of the psychics were just there, you know, for people that they were just an ear. And they would do the cards and they would talk to people. But you could tell the ones that, uh, the you know, that had shorter calls because they were the ones were that weren't pushing 
the psychic stuff quite as much. But the ones that really pushed the psychic stuff and really were, you know, who really thought that that, that they had a talent were the ones where you could where had the longest calls. Um, so, you know, of course, I had to make a decision because I got paid that the longer the psychic stayed on, on a particular call, the more I would get paid because I actually got a commission for, for however long the psychics were on there. So I, a lot of people in my position, what they would do is they knew the psychics that could keep people on the phone the longest. And those are the people who got the, um, who got the credit card calls. Yep, if you could roll it to 90, you gave it to the person who could roll it to 90, right. I remember. See, but I never did that. I had a list, and I went down my list because I never wanted to get into that. But but that isn't how everybody out who did that. Um, and there were no rules, really. It would, There was kind of a, you know, a gentleman's handshake saying that that's not what we were going to do. But there was no real rule saying that I couldn't. And, of course, you know, the management there... What if I was if I was doing that, probably would have just let it go unless they got a lot of complaints, um, because you know they make more money too. Right. And it was not exactly what I would call a very reputable industry. Uh, well, you hear all these um, ads for California psychics, and there's still people that are into that. And I I would say though, you know, there was a lot of good people there who just wanted to help people, right. but then there was some douches. Yep. And and so it's it, it was it was totally a mixed bag and watching it from my perspective because I wasn't the one doing it. Nobody count and it's the same thing there. Nobody counted the misses. The only time anybody was ever talking in there was about the hits. Right. Um and they, and they would talk about the reading that they just gave. Oh, you know, I saw all this and this and this and this is this all this is going to happen for this person yada 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 and you know and, um a lot of people didn't call back, but a lot of people had regulars, and and the and the people and they would always call back and talk to the same person because uh, because they and, and you knew which ones they were because they were the ones that would give reinforcement, constant reinforcement about you know about what they're doing, what's coming up, and yada yada yada. And it never mattered if the predictions were any good because that because the people were calling for the positive reinforcement that they got from these psychics whether whether they were getting good advice um was was you know who who knew and a lot of right. times i think it was probably bad advice um just another point on the the psychics that we worked with back then mm -hmm. they were all mentally broken in some way and the more mentally broken i think the better the the, the more accurate the predictions <laughs> Uh, the psychics were mentally broken. Oh yeah. 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 No. yeah. Oh yeah. Not just the people calling in, but the psychics. No, no, no. The psychics were mentally broken. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the people calling in were anything lonely? else but lonely, sad. Um some of them just had more money than they knew what to do with and and they were just really lonely, you know. <laughs> and 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 I had and I had people who I who would call that I knew, you know, that that's why they were calling and and I and I would try, and I sometimes I would try to set them up with people that I felt were softer and just more for a con there for a conversation. You know, I, I had my moments. You know, where <laughs> <laughs> you're warm and fuzzy. My warm and fuzzy moments. You know, because because even even the position I was, I I developed relationships with these people as superficial as they were. You know, they would call up and we'd have a chat, and you know, I'd set up a reading for them. I mean, that's really all that. Uh, 
Unfortunately, most of those people really needed a friend. Right. And it's unfortunate that they were paying that kind of money for just for somebody to talk to. And it, so, is, it is sad that they had to call in and buy the friend. Right. The other, the other thing that, the other problem that I had with, with working on that line is how many people I saw just ruin themselves. I mean, we, we, we had, we had a list of people that we were no longer allowed to, to take calls from because they, because they, um, they had just exhausted their credit cards and their, and they had destroyed their 900 lines. And, and we got to a point where the company had to say, we, we can't, we can't help these people anymore. We have to, we have to cut these people off. And and that 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 list was, I mean, there it changed, you know. So some people would, you know, weasel their way back off that list. But I mean, there, I, I could I could name names right now of people that were on that list. I remember them. I remember them so well. Trying trying to you know call up and get me to give them a psychic. In a lot of ways, I had a lot of fun working there. You know, we had a lot of fun. There were people that I really enjoyed hanging out with. In a lot of ways, I saw a lot of very sad things. Well, moving on, if you know, leave this at a high point. (laughs) 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 Uh, I don't know, Mac. Did you did you have anything else you wanted to add to that? No, I'm I'm pretty good on this one. Are you? All right. I am. I think that uh, I think we've gone over the Sylvia Brown question. I, I. I do actually have one thing I want to add, and I will verify this and find out for sure. I think Sylvia Brown is now working with um, one of the uh, reality ghost hunter shows. Oh, really? As a demonologist. <laughs> but I'm not okay. sure if it's her or not. I'll find out. You're going to have to let us know. Oh, man. We'll, we'll, we'll I don't want to put do... demonologist on my resume. Demon. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what we're gonna have to do? I mean, we're, we're, we're I think we'll have to do a show about um, about these ghost hunters because they're pretty silly. Yeah, some of them you can definitely tell that they're really actually trying to be scientists, and some of them you can tell that they're really just just playing up the spook. Yeah. All right. Well, if that's it, I think that the, that we're done for this evening. Okay. Yep. Thank you, everybody, for joining me. It's been a good cast. Yep. yep. All right. Have a good evening. We will. Good we'll evening, talk to you all. later. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast. Contact information can be found at our website, AmateurSkeptics.com. Music for this podcast provided by OFM. Find out more about OFM at MySpace.com forward slash OFMHQ. The Amateur Skeptics Podcast is released under a Creative Commons attribution, no derivative works, 3.0 US license. We'd love to have you share our work with other people, but please do not edit or change the file. There should be a protocol for that 48-bit processor underneath your hat. There should be a protocol.